Okay, so today we're going to look at uh, the topic of the Word of God through, through three different passages. And uh, actually, let me pray, and then we'll talk about it. Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather together in your presence and be uh, near you in your word. We pray that you would speak to us and uh, minister your word to our hearts in a way that would encourage us and challenge us to love you more, to be faithful to you, to draw near to you through your word. Different things that we might be going through emotionally, struggling in different ways. Pray the word of God would meet us and encourage our hearts. We depend on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we're going to talk about the topic of the word of God because uh, now we're at the end of the semester. And um, so we're at a point now where... I guess if we were gathering, the semester would end. This would probably be the Sunday where we would congratulate the graduates. We're still going to do that, but we'll do that next week. And um, we'd be winding down and getting ready to go into the summer. And our church schedule would kind of shift to the summer schedule and different things like that. Uh, and, I mean, we'll probably still do those things. But this summer in particular will be like no summer we've ever experienced before. Because, you know, I'm sure with the summer and the weather getting better, we'll probably do things, uh, summer-related things. I'm sure we'll probably go out and enjoy the weather to some degree and things like that. But there will inevitably be less things to do this summer than most summers, right? Like you can't gather and go to a ball game or, or you know, things like that. So that means we'll still have a lot more time to ourselves, like it or not. So I thought it would be a good time to think about just our present relationship with the Word of God. Right? Like how am I interacting with the Word of God? What is, what is my current relationship with the Word of God? And I think that's a good thing to think about as we go into the summer, expecting a lot more time, expecting opportunities maybe, where we can enrich our relationship with God so evaluating, where do I stand with the word of God right now? This sermon today won't be a typical expository sermon from one passage. We'll look at three different passages, different verses. Um, and I think it's just really a relevant thing to think about that uh, hopefully will be helpful for us in that way. Okay, so first, the three things. I'm going to talk about the purpose of the word of God. The provisions, the provision in the Word of God, and the practice of the Word of God. Okay, so first, the purpose of the Word of God. Oh, by the way, um, the lyrics on the bottom. These guys have been, you know, working on it for a few weeks and trying to get it right and things like that. And uh, so, just want to say thank you to them. Uh, they've been coming out here on on Saturdays and trying to make it work and ran into some technical difficulties and things like that. And it's good to see, um, you know, people having a desire to make even this format of service uh, better in a way that people can really worship together. And so just really encouraged by that. Okay, so first, number one, I was stalling to see 
the words, the purpose of God show up on my screen because there's a 10 second lag. It's amazing, purpose of the word of God. And that's from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So Paul says here that all scripture is the word of God, and uh, uh, he's saying to Timothy, right, when he says all scripture, the word of God, he's saying this to Timothy, so he's talking about the Old Testament. All scripture, the Old Testament that you have is the word of God. But to us, it's the Old Testament and the Gospels and the Apostles' letters, those, everything that we have in the New Testament also. All scripture is breathed out from God, meaning these are the words that originated from God. These are the words that God has given to us. And he says, these words from God are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So the main purpose of the word of God, the main reason why God gives us his word is so that we can know him. It's through the word of God that we can know what sin is. We can know God's provision for us from sin through Jesus Christ. It's through the word of God that we can be saved from sin to know God through faith. So without God speaking his word to us, we cannot be saved. We won't even know that we need to be saved. We won't know how to be saved. God gave us his word so that we can know him. But now to know God, it's not just as simple as reading the Bible so that you can know God. Paul also says that the scriptures are profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. So these words that he uses, teaching, reproof, correcting, training, these words imply that the sinner is naturally going in the wrong direction, right? Away from God. We're naturally going away from God toward unrighteousness. So we need to be taught, we need to be rebuked, corrected, trained in righteousness. In other words, the word of God does not come alongside of us and say, oh, you're doing great. Keep going in that direction. Doesn't come to the sinner and say, oh, you're doing great. Keep going in that way and that's how you know God. Of course, there are times that God comes to us through his word and it has that kind of effect. But by nature, we rebel against God. By nature, we don't want to know God. So the word of God has a corrective effect on the sinner. That's why the word of God doesn't just teach. It also rebukes, corrects, trains in righteousness. So to know God, the purpose is to know God. God gives us his word, but it corrects us from our, our sinful direction and tells us which way to go to know God. Notice also from these verses that initially, 
the word of God generally comes to us through other people, right? Where he says in verse 14, continue in what, in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. So Timothy initially learned the scriptures from his mother, from his grandmother, and through Paul. They, event they eventually helped him to firmly believe, it says. They, they guided him, helped him, taught him, so that Timothy can firmly believe in his heart. And now Paul tells Timothy to continue on that path for himself. And that's generally how it works in all of our lives. The word of God, to know God, we have to be taught, rebuked, corrected, trained to firmly believe so that we can continue on that path. Uh, on our own uh, decision to pursue God and to know God. You know, I thought about um, how this, this kind of dynamic might work uh, with, uh, for example, like a, a world-class athlete. Anyone who becomes excellent at anything that they do, like a world-class athlete, had to have someone in their lives pushing them when they were younger. Right? I mean, there's no other way. Maybe there was a parent pushing them to get out of bed when they wanted to sleep. Maybe there was a coach making them run killers or do extra repetitions when they didn't want to. Maybe there was a trainer that kept them in the weight room when they didn't want to be there. And then at some point, the athlete caught the fire in their own hearts. And then they become self-motivated. And the ones who become world-class athletes don't get there because they constantly have people pushing them all their whole lives, eventually they, they, they get their own internal drive that makes them want to achieve their full potential. And uh, the ones who do have the talent but don't have that internal drive, had people pushing them when they were younger, but then they don't have that internal drive, simply won't become world-class athletes. I think it's kind of the similar dynamic that we see here for the man of God. The goal is to know God, right? And eventually become the man of God that he, like Paul says, the man of God that helps other people know God. So initially, Timothy needed other people to teach him, to, to rebuke, correct, train him through the word of God. But the, Timothy it came to firmly believe for himself. And now, Paul is still his trainer, but he plays a different role in Timothy's life. He says, continue in what you have learned. Continue in your own drive to know God through the word of God so that you can know God more. Every day, know God more and so that you can help others to know God more. And um, so I say this because, like I mentioned in the, in the beginning, summer is coming and we want to think about our relationship with the word of God. We need to be in the word of God if we want to know God. God gives us his word so that we can know God. We have to be in the word of God if we want to know God. We'll go away from God if we're apart from the word of God. It's just how it is. I can't be with God and know God if I'm away from the word of God. It goes hand in hand. So we should be in the word of God. We should get people around us, a friend, an older brother, a sister, whatever, to be our coach, to be our trainer, 
so the word of God can continually rebuke, correct, train us to righteousness. We want to do that. But I also thought about this in this way. So that's one application, right? On a personal level, in our own relationship with God, we need to be in the word of God. But I also thought about another application more broadly to our church. What kind of church should we try to be? Uh, if you've been coming out to the, the Wednesday prayer meetings and things like that, I've been talking a little bit about it, about like how we want to move our church forward. Um, and uh, so I'm thinking about these things, like what role should our church play in the congregants' lives in their relationship with the word of God and in their spiritual growth and so on. Um, I had a conversation about this with a pastor friend concerning how culture plays into this discussion, how Asian culture is so different from American culture uh, because this particular pastor interacts a lot with um, white Christians. And he says... Uh, and he was kind of sharing a lot of different things. He says in, in, in the white church culture, you generally, he says, you generally cannot say anything negative to people because it's offensive to them. Uh, because American culture is a lot more individualistic and you're invading, if, if, you're, if you're doing that, you're invading where you're not invited. But Asian culture is a lot more communal it's different, it's communal. So uh, in Korean churches, for example, conversations like that are a lot more direct, you know? Like, you're doing this wrong. You're a sinner, you know? Uh, very different from uh, a different culture context. Okay, so now think, thinking about those things, like this is not an easy issue for us because our church is a mix of both East and West cultures, right? Um, so... Should we be a church that comes alongside people and invites them, invites them in an encouraging way to, to continue keep, you know, continue on, keep doing what you're doing in your pursuit of God? Um, should, should, should our church, our preaching, our ministry, should play that kind of role in people's lives? And some people in our church would resonate with that approach. That's great. Or should we be a church that rebukes, corrects, and challenges people to righteousness um, in the process as they become more self-motivated and so on? And maybe some people in our church would resonate more with that approach. So, so I've been thinking about these things as I'm thinking about our church as a whole. And I'm not offering a solution here. The questions are many, the answers are few. Um, I'm just saying, like that's an application to this and I'm just thinking about it. And again, if you want to talk more about this with me, uh, I'm not going to do 7 p.m. Zoom today because uh, I got to get ready to see episode 7 and 8. Um, I got some stuff to do after church as well. But anyway, if you want to talk more about this, just, you know, message me or whatever and we can definitely talk. Okay, so first, the purpose of the word of God is to know God. Secondly, the provision in the word of God. And for that, we're going to look at Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. 
For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, the writer of Hebrews tells us that the word of God is not something um, that's in the past, that's stagnant in the past. The word of God is living and active, he says. The word of God is alive. It's active today. Just as it was in the past, just as it was active in the past, it's active today. It's not, a, it's not just a historical piece of writing. It is a historical writing. People who lived in the past wrote it, but those words that were written in the past are alive and active and at work today, just as it was back then, because it is the very word of God. The word of God is living and active. So the word of God is timeless. God speaks to us today just like God spoke to Moses, just like Jesus spoke to his disciples. God speaks to us today through his word. The word of God is act, living and active in us, to us today. Now, what is the word actively doing today? What does the writer here mean when he says the word of God is living and active? I used to think that this verse was talking about how powerful the word of God is, right? When it says, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thought it was talking about the word of God being powerful as an effective weapon, like a sword is a weapon, powerful to, you know, penetrate into our hearts and change our hearts and things like that. But actually in context, I think the writer is talking about how, how surgical the word of God is to expose our hearts, how surgical the word of God is to expose our hearts. Because the verse right before this in verse 11 says, make every effort to enter the, that rest. Um, talks about like don't, don't fall away from God living in disobedience to God. Try your best to make it to the finish line and enter the rest. That's right before this. And then right after this in verse 13, it says God knows everything. He knows our hearts. And one day we're going to have to give an account of our lives. And in between those two verses, it says here in verse 12, the word of God is like a two-edged sword that divides soul and spirit. So I think the word of God being living and active like a double-edged sword, I think what he's saying is the word of God is active to expose the hidden crevices and motives of our hearts. And he's saying you can't hide anything from God. And right after that, in verse 14, he says, we have, a, we have a great high priest in Jesus Christ. So let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace. So in context, I think um, the, the purpose of the word of God, right, the, the meaning of what he's saying in verse 12, the purpose of the word of God, being living and active in our hearts is so that we can see through the surgical procedure that the word of God does, exposing everything in our hearts so that we can see our sins and ultimately that would lead us to turn to Jesus, our high priest, so that we can receive mercy. That's the provision that we have in the word of God. The word of God calls us, teaches us, rebukes us 
trains us so that we can know God. How do we know God? It's, it's not like, how does a rebellious heart know God? It's so that as we, as we, as we you know, learn and re, rebuke and all of those things and, and our hearts are exposed for the rebellious sinner that I am, we can see the provision of God through the word of God the high priest, great high priest in Jesus Christ, who would come to him to receive mercy and grace. You know, since the quarantine happened, um, we've seen many musicians putting up videos of themselves singing from home. And um, if you're like me, you've probably seen a lot of these videos. These uh, famous you know, musicians who would normally like fill stadiums when they sell tickets to their concerts are giving us access to their living rooms as they're singing from their homes. And these videos are getting obviously like millions of views and things like that because that's what's happening. Now, as these music musicians do that, they're not really doing it for money, right? singing from home. They're not doing it for fame. They're not selling tickets for us to watch them sing from home. I think th those videos are showing up mostly because musicians have to make music, right? They don't, they don't just act like musicians because you put them on a stage and you give them money to perform. They're not just acting like musicians when, when they're up on stage. They do that because they are musicians, because music is something that's in their hearts. So no matter where they are or what the circumstances are, what the restrictions are, the music will come out of them. It's as if they don't feel alive if they can't make music, right? They can't help but to express themselves through music. And that's the effect of music in a musician's heart. You see, the word of God is living and active. The word of God cannot help but to work in our hearts and do something. When the word of God goes in the heart and is met with faith, it makes the heart come alive and what comes out, what cannot help but come out is Jesus. The word of God brings us closer to Jesus, makes us more like Jesus, makes us want more of Jesus. The word of God cannot help but to expose our need for Jesus and makes us come to Jesus for grace. You want to draw near to God through the summer? You have to get into the word of God because the word of God is the avenue through which we meet and experience Jesus and become like Jesus and fall in love with Jesus Christ. The purpose of the word of God provision in the word of God, and thirdly, lastly, the practice of the word of God. And for that, we'll look at Joshua 1.8, where the Lord says, the, the, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. The word of God is needed 
to know God. The word of God is actively at work to bring us to Jesus. So the word of God is working, right? Working in us um, so that we can get close to God and become like God and things like that. Now, how does that process work? Here we can talk about three things. Receive it, dwell in it, live it. Receive it, dwell in it, live it. Receive it. He says, God says to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now, obviously, not everyone had their own copy of the law in their own pockets back then. So the law was read, it was heard, it was recited, it was memorized. So the equivalent for us, the equivalent for us of not letting it depart from your mouth is like hearing it, hearing the word of God, reading the word of God, receiving the word of God. And so the first thing is receive it, receive the word of God, uh, meaning don't skip Bible study. Don't skip quiet times. Take quiet times seriously. Don't let the word of God depart from your mouth. Not only receive it, but dwell in it. You shall meditate on it day and night. Joshua was to receive the book of the law and dwell on the law of God. Meditate on it day and night. By the way, this is a good reason to um, read, the, read the word of God in the morning as opposed to late at night. Because if you have the habit of reading the, the Bible as the last thing that you do before you go to sleep, um, you read, amen, you go to sleep, and you're not meditating on it while you're sleeping at night. But if, if it's the morning, like you wake up, it's the morning, you're sitting out in your patio, now you can do that because the weather's getting nicer. You have your coffee and donut. And then you read the word of God while your mind is fresh. Then you have the entire day to, to internalize the word of God by, by meditating on it day and night. Receive it, dwell in it, and live it so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Because the goal, obviously, is not to just learn new things and have more knowledge about the Bible. The goal is to live out the word of God in our lives. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So as we read, meditate, obey the word of God, it says then you will experience the blessings of God. So this is talking about being prosperous and having success in God's eyes, right? The life that God considers prosperous and successful. What, would, like, what life would God look at and say that life is, is prosperous? That life is successful. This verse is saying you get there through the word of God. And what that means is the opposite is true as well. Meaning there's no success in life in the way that God would view that life successful. There's no success in life apart from the word of God. I mean, a person could achieve things in this, in this world in the eyes of the world. He can achieve many things in this world. But there can be no life that God approves and says that is a life that is successful. There can be no life that God approves that was lived apart from the word of God.
So that's the process, the practice of being in the word of God. Dwell in it, meditate on it, obey it, so that you can live a life that is approved by God. Uh, I'm going to try to bring up this picture. Can we actually do that? So there's a sign on this picture. Is that going to happen or no? Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, whether it shows up or not, it, if it shows up, it would be a nice surprise. If not, I'll just describe this picture to you. So there's this picture that someone took, and in this picture, there's a sign on a fence um, with homemade masks in Ziploc bags underneath the sign clipped to a string. And the, the sign says, please take only what you need and leave the rest. I'm only one woman with a machine trying my best. The only request I have in return, someday pay it forward when you can. Take care of yourself and be well. Bucktown. Bucktown is the name of this neighborhood. And uh, um, this person made these homemade masks when, especially like a couple of weeks ago when masks were uh, in, like, were not, the people couldn't find them. And this person made homemade masks and left them out on the fence and uh, offered it to people saying, this is something that I'm trying to do to make a difference. Now, this is really encouraging. Okay, I'm going to wait. Couple say, oh, there it is. Oh. Okay, so you see that? Um, I want to give a hand to our tech team right here who uh, are doing amazing things. Okay, so you see that? That's a that's a sign right there. And then this, uh, I mean, you're st if you're looking at your phone, you're probably looking at it. It's very small. You probably can't even read it. But that's what I just described. Okay. All right, so anyway, um, this is really encouraging because, I mean, think about some of the things that are going on in the world right now. Um, I mean, just even this week, like the, 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 the sad, sad news that we saw um, was really the reality of the world that we live in where a man can be killed just, just for jogging. Right? Just as he's like jogging, and just because he's black, a man is killed for that. That's the world that we live in, a world where a woman can be assaulted, right? Just be, when she's sitting on a bus, waiting for a bus, just because she's of a certain, like she's Asian or whatever. Right? I mean, this is the reality of the fallen world that we live in, marred with sin and death. And it's a question that we can ask ourselves. How can one person make a difference in a world like that? In a world that needs to change so much, how can one person make a difference in a world like that? Surprisingly, the Bible doesn't paint a picture of the state of the world where we should unravel in hopelessness because of the reality of sin. Rather, we're reminded constantly that God is in control. And the word of God continually points us inwardly 
inwardly because the kingdom of God will manifest in this world as the kingdom of God first invades and manifests in our own hearts. The kingdom of God is made visible in this world through people who are like Jesus Christ. And this is God's plan, that we become captivated by the word of God, that we become men and women of God who are captivated by the word of God, who can lead others to the word of God. And slowly but surely, God changes the world one heart at a time. God breathes his word to us and says, this is the way to know God. This is the way to become like Jesus Christ. This is the way that you can have good success in your life in this world. This is the way to transform your family, your neighborhood, ultimately to transform the ends of the earth as God's people, one heart at a time, become captivated by the word of God. May we, may we commit ourselves to his word. Even for this one summer, right? We're, like, we're, we're looking ahead. It's kind of like a, um, like a, a, a wide-open schedule as we look ahead to our summer. What am I going to do? There's a lot of uncertainty because I don't know what, what's going to happen um, in the world around me. But one thing that we can control, right? I can wake up and I can sit in, in the word of God and I can get close to Jesus. And he will work in our hearts as we commit ourselves to that. Let's pray together. One thing that I'm kind of uh, realizing is that uh, this stay-at-home quarantine period is difficult for many people difficult for many people in our church and it's kind of taking a toll on us emotionally spiritually our relationship with God again ironically more time doesn't necessarily mean we're using that time in the best way a lot of times we end up wasting our time and uh, it's not necessarily time that's drawing us closer to Jesus so it's it's challenging it's difficult but one thing that I'm also realizing, not only is challenging and difficult for many people, but also for some people, I'm, I'm hearing, and um, it's encouraging, I'm hearing that this time is really life-changing for them in a positive way, drawing them closer to God, right? That effect, well, I have nothing else I can turn to, turning to Jesus, getting closer to Jesus. So, so I think it could go both ways, right? I might get um, more distracted and uh, um, there might be kind of like disorder in my life or the other effect is um, it's helping me to zone in on what's important and I'm devoting myself to God and he's working in my heart. And uh, it's encouraging to hear testimonies like that. I just want to encourage you to invest yourself in a wise way for the summer. Um, there's no path toward righteousness that's apart from the word of God. There's no way to come out of this better than I am now apart from the word of God. The word of God has to run parallel 
to my life, to my day, to my schedule. To me to be, for me to be prosperous and successful. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word that, that teaches, rebukes, corrects, trains us in righteousness. Pray that your spirit would work that in our hearts. Bring brothers and sisters into our lives uh, that would challenge us and hold us accountable. Help us to be that voice in the lives of others with the voice of love. Pray that you would work in us so that we can become the men and women of God, firmly rooted in faith, believing that this is the key to all the life that you approve. Help us to be agents of change in this world, wherever we might end up 10, 20, 30 years from now, different ways that you want to work through us and use us to make the kingdom of God more visible in this world. But may that process happen and begin today as we commit ourselves to your word. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, your love, your mercy in our lives. We thank you for the provision of Jesus Christ, that we're not left in our sins, having been exposed in our hearts. We're not left to take care of our sins on our own. We thank you that can see and experience Jesus through the word so that we can be met by grace and mercy. Help us to experience that every morning so that it would be your grace that fuels us to righteousness and obedience in our lives. As we become more and more like Jesus, we pray that you would help, help us to have that effect of being change makers that would reveal Christ to others. Thank you, Lord. Um, be with the students continuing on in their final studies. Encourage the moms on this Mother's Day. Pray that you would minister to them with your love. And uh, we pray that you would help us to see you as the ultimate hope in this broken world that is searching for answers. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this incredible, unchanging covenant love of the Father God, the fellowship, the strength, and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you.